Hello, 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 Healthy and Whole Marriages family. Thank you for joining us for another part of our marital journey, our Healthy and Whole Marriage journey. We are going to get started as usual and um, moving some things around, but we're going to get started the way that we normally do, and that's with prayer. Father God, we thank you for this moment, this time, this opportunity to speak to your people. God, we pray that your grace will give us what we need as we prepare to do ministry. God, we thank you for every couple that is gathered. We ask that you will bless them and their needs tonight. And God, that you will give them your grace and your peace. God, we just give you glory, honor, and praise for love. It's in Jesus' name. And God, amen. Amen. All right, y'all. So if you were here last time, we chatted about whether or not it's possible to have the first Corinthians 13 type of love in your marriage, whether it's a realistic type of love, whether it's a realistic type of practice to put into play for your marriage with regards to your spouse or whether it's all biblical. So we are going to parse through part two of that because we went through, I think, first Corinthians 13 up until maybe six or so of that. You know, love is patient. Love is kind. Love is this. Love is that. All of those things. We want you guys definitely to delve into it yourself and let God speak to you about it and how it applies to your life and whether or not you are able to do and perform the type of love or not. But I wanted to just throw the scripture out there first for you guys to make sure that you get the opportunity to refer back to it and read it for yourselves. And we did the first part of it and we're going to jump into the second part of it as well. Um, if this is your first time, thank you so much for joining us and being a part of our journey as we share it with you guys. I am excited to hear what we come up with, I guess. And I won't just say, I definitely don't want to say what we come up with because when we get going, God just does his thing. But um, I wasn't expecting everything that came out of last or part one of this particular, what would you call it? Podcast? <laughs> Not just, no, I'm talking about oh. the um, um, dissection, if you will, to an extent of the First Corinthians love that we hear about so often. So mm -hmm. make sure you go back and listen to part one so that you won't be missing a thing and you can understand where we're coming from. Definitely, we are welcoming any comments, questions, or concerns regarding that as well. But it's just something that, as I mentioned last time, I heard about all the time and it was just like, okay, is this really real? Not only that, but... You know, it's just one of those scriptures that people say now every time, every chance they get, uh -huh. or it's on your wall. You can get it on a plaque at Hobby Lobby or anywhere, you know, just about. And is it real? Can we apply it? Do we apply it? Or is this just something that we're supposed to read in the Bible and only attainable for God? Uh, only attainable in G for Jesus while he was here and on his journey on earth. So... We're jumping right in and we're starting with the love does not delight in evil or how's the verse exactly? I think what I did last time was um, broke down from the NIV version, just kind of went into lamest terms to an extent. And so it is. First it does Corinthians. not. Yes. First Corinthians 
13 and 5. Mm -hmm. It does not dishonor others. It is not self-seeking. It is not easily angered. It keeps no record of wrongs. Okay. So, 1 Corinthians, I'm thinking, should you jump right in? Doesn't delight in evil. Or you want me to get started as usual? Yeah. Okay. I think that's okay. So, all I have Um, from it is, doesn't delight in evil. Evil, of course, the natural delight, of course, in joy, right? You find joy in, happiness in evil, wrongdoing of some sort. And if we're applying this to our spouses, to our marriages, to ourselves, it can't find joy, happiness, pleasure in any shape, form, or fashion in wrongdoing. It shouldn't. It should find that because of love, because of the actions of love, because of the essence of love, then it's uncomfortable. It's unbecoming. To enjoy this time, this moment of wrongdoing. That's what I got from it. And that one was more difficult for me than any of the other verses for some reason. I I would have to agree that... I I guess when we think about this particular scripture, it's it's really all about wrongdoing, though. Just how are you treating your spouse and are you doing things that will contradict what love is and what the marriage beholds. Although evil can be a strong word uh, in the scripture to me, I think anything that is detrimental to your relationship that you're doing could be seen as evil. And I think that you should take a retrospective look at that to ensure that the love that you say you had leading up to the point of marriage still correlates with that 10 days down the road, 10 years down the road, 50 years down the road. Because if not, that could actually lead to wrongdoing or to evil. I agree. I I like that um, perspective too, because if you're looking at it in that way, you can be doing something Mm -hmm. that's solely beneficial for you. There you go. Self-seeking. And it's, it's killing and it's draining the actual relationship, the marriage itself, mm-hmm. which Darian, of course, is going to drain and and just deteriorate you know, the marriage. De- and and the other person, right, in mm-hmm. their spirit. And so, if you're looking at it that way, then definitely any type of wrongdoing is going to be contrary to love in that sense, which is an action word. It's not a feeling; mm-hmm. it's an action word, and it becomes difficult for the other party to maintain that act if they are consistently not even experiencing so much the wrongdoing because Mm -hmm. that can be difficult within itself. But if you're enjoying it, if you're not able to acknowledge that this is detrimental to us, that you're not able to acknowledge that this is hurting me, then you're, and you're enjoying it. You don't see the problem with that. Then absolutely. That's contrary to what love is supposed to be about. So the next verse, love rejoices with the truth. But it's so, the, it's a puzzle. It's like a, a big puzzle because if you're not enjoying wrongdoing, you're going to enjoy the truth of everything. And the way I took this is that it enjoys truth, facts, reality, honesty, um, transparency, yeah. vulnerability at all costs. Yeah. And that's at the expense of 
where we feel like we have to walk on eggshells. We feel like we have to be protective of your your other partner's feelings or whatever the case may be. Anything other than the truth in the long run is going to be detrimental to your relationship because mm-hmm. there's a place in the Bible that says the truth, theoretically, I'm probably paraphrasing, right, the right. truth crushed to the ground shall stand. It's still going to come to light, right? Everything done in the dark will come to light. Okay. So you either go ahead and get the truth out now because it puts you all together in a better position mm-hmm. to deal with it versus having to scrape up the residue and the pieces from a lie and then trying to put things back together. It makes it much more difficult, murkier, all types of things. So truth at all costs because that, to me, that shows love in the sense of trying to preserve the good that you have in the relationship. I don't think it could be better said. I think another aspect of it is that the truth shall set you free. Absolutely. And I believe that part of it is important when not only are you rebuilding or as you're first starting out, but whenever there is conflict, whenever there is a situation that arises, let's talk about it in truth. So you all can grow from it quicker. Absolutely. Protects. The truth protects the truth. Love protects. Love protects. protects Yes. The truth absolutely (laughs) will protect. Yeah. Even though we feel like a lie will protect, the truth actually will protect. Love protects. Keep safe. Think of protection. And you're protecting something. You're keeping it safe. It means something to you. It's important to you. The contrary is when you're telling a lie, then what you're actually saying is that lie, everything wrapped up in that lie, in that wrong, is much more important to you than the opposite, Mm -hmm. than the truth, than the the person you're claiming to love. That's the presentation that's being done. So when you're protecting something, you're keeping something safe from harm. You're shielding something. You're preserving something. So when you're protecting it, you're, you're protecting that love you have you're going to do whatever you need to do to preserve it and to shield it from any of the wrongdoings, to shield it from anything that will be contrary, contradictory, that will cause question about the love that is being shown or shared. Yeah, I think that in part to also dangers. Um, what Whatever that lie is or whatever that's detrimental to the relationship, puts your relationship in danger and it puts it at risk when you are not protecting it in the safe way. And I believe that you have to continue to focus on what does that mean? Uh, Whether that's setting boundaries, whether that's setting truths. Once you get out of that point, I believe that's when the, the relationship can begin to deteriorate and then the love can deteriorate. The love deteriorates after... When there's no trust. Oh, but we haven't gotten the trust yet. We're still on protection. Well, I was thinking trust is next, though. Yeah. And so from... Yeah, but I believe... Well, protection, yes. I believe the same thing, though. If okay. you're not protecting your marriage to that extent, that you're you're going to cause deterioration. Let's say I'm protecting you, whether that's in... Let's talk about in-laws or whatever. Mm -hmm. If I'm not protecting you in that moment of 
when something is going awry from mm -hmm. a conversation that could be used as, okay, Seth, you're not protecting me from this situation. Well, I can't love you in the way that I need to love you because I don't feel protected when I'm around you just because it's your family mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. or just because it's your friends or just because it's your colleagues. I need to feel that support on every side. And I need to know that we are one in this thing, not that I come second and that you're not going to put my feelings on the back burner. Exactly. Because when you're not feeling the person not feeling that protection, then I'm going to question Agreed. your love. I'm going to question, yeah, and my second and all of that yes. stuff. So definitely when the, the protection is not felt, then there's a question of what is really your priority? What Agreed. is really important to you? So absolutely. Trust, since he's anxious to get to no. trust, well, and it is next, and it, it does flow. Mm -hmm. Like I said, it's all like a big puzzle when you get into these parts, right? And it kind of folds around the first parts of love is patient and kind and all of that. Because there are situations where we have to work up towards the trust. We have to work up towards the protection and feeling those things fully. And so when you get to trust, love, trust, if love is doing all of these things, in my opinion, all of these other things, it's a natural response, a natural reaction to trust, right? Agreed. To have, trust means to have a firm belief in the reliability, truth, or strength of something or someone. Mm-hmm. So if you're feeling like this person has been exercising patience with you, this person has been exercising um, or showing you ways that they are consistently protecting you, not just physically, yeah. but emotionally, right. that this person is showing you ways that they are willing to tell you the truth, even if you don't like it, even if it's uncomfortable, mm -hmm. they see veracity as a significant part of your relationship, mm -hmm. your natural response, automatic response is going trust. to be, I trust this person. Right. Like, why wouldn't I? Because they respect me enough and they love me enough to tell me the truth in spite of my feelings. And when you know that someone is willing to do that, when you know that someone is willing to put you first, when they're willing to acknowledge your priorities and find them as significant as you do, then you're just in a position to feel like, well, why not? Like Until you prove me otherwise, then right, right now, I'm in a place where I feel safe. Yes. And where you feel safe, you feel loved. Think about it. Animals, okay. children. And I right. say this about, oh my gosh, when I would practice law and people would have, because I got into the visitation and the custody disputes and, you know, divorce and all of that, right? And the back and forth of all of that and people saying, well, you know, when my child is here and they do this, that, and the other, and then when they're over there, it's this. And then when I have to deal with the mom or I have to deal with the dad, this, that. And after a while, it'd be like, okay, what you're missing is everybody can see after a while. Yes, children can be a little more, they're a little more malleable in what they're learning. You can kind of form certain opinions, and then have them believe certain things. But after a while, they're going to catch on. And then there's a, a difference between loyalty as well. You can abuse, unfortunately, it has been done, unfortunately, time and time again. And if it hadn't been, we wouldn't have PETA and all of these organizations in support. You can ab abuse a dog, and they will yet come back and be loyal to you because they are searching for 
the love that they at some point once felt mm -hmm. in some shape, form, or fashion, okay? So when at some point you feel that safe and that protection, mm -hmm. that safety, that trust, and those things, it is highly significant to do whatever you can to maintain that because what has taken place is there have been actions put into play to mm -hmm. make you feel that way. Yeah. Same actions that initially, whether they were a facade or not, for an animal or whatever, they, there were signs of some type of something that someone Safe. wasn't, yeah, wasn't able to get in. Safety and trust, those things, they speak volumes to making someone feel that they are being loved, that they're being cared for. When you feel like you can trust someone, Agreed. then they, you know, put you in a position to feel like a priority and to feel vulnerable and not worry about where that's going to go. I, th I think everything that you said was right on target. I want to talk about just a little bit when you lose that trust uh, in love, how difficult it is to gain it back because of all of that focus that has been put into the opportunity to grow that relationship, to grow that love, to grow that marriage. And when you break that trust, it does not just come back next week. It takes time to continue to refocus and retrust and you have to build that up. And I say that in a way that if you feel as though love can survive an untrustworthy spouse, it can't. You have to be willing to focus on rebuilding everything, trust, protection, forgiveness, all of those things have to work out first and continue to strive on this trust. And I was, even in our relationship, I I thought trust just meant like one area, but trust, <laughs> it encompasses everything that you do from where are you going? How's this, how's the day going? Did you put gas in the car? All of these things make trust a part of this love. And I want to make certain that you understand that love, yes, has a lot to do with trust. But when that trust is broken, it takes time for the trust to come back. It, it's not automatic. And that can cause your relationship to be stagnant if you're not willing to do the work and really focus on trying to get back to the point of where this love started in the first place. Because now I don't, I don't, I love you, but I don't know if I can trust you. Trust is to me almost a turning point for love that things can just go in a totally different direction. Sorry, y'all, excuse me. Uh, I totally agree with that because I think when you are in a position where trust is in question, now you are, I'll go with stagnant, but you feel restricted from showing those other actions that line up with the definition of love mm -hmm. because you're not comfortable enough anymore. You don't feel safe enough right. and you don't feel, I mean, at this point when trust becomes an issue, then pretty much everything else kind of falls by the wayside because your truth is an issue. Right. 
trusting what you say is an issue. Trusting what you do is an issue. And if I can't feel comfortable in what you say and what you do, then now I am restricted from how I'm going to act and react because Mm -hmm. my natural response now is a shield to protect myself because I can't trust you to protect because you have put me in a position of not being able to trust you. So it actually unfortunately flips to a place where love is supposed to be a partnership, a reciprocal partnership. And now that person has to focus a little bit more or they feel they have to focus a little bit more on themselves because they now have to protect themselves in a way that they once trusted you to do so. And they that's no longer a safe place, something they feel comfortable with. And everything else is now in question. Whether Whatever the reason why they can't trust you anymore, whatever that reason is, did you enjoy telling the lie? Did you enjoy whatever wrongdoing took place um, at my expense. Mm-hmm. You clearly don't rejo- rejoice in the truth because you would have told the truth or done the truth or whatever. And we've already talked about the protection and all right. of that. And that could be a whole other podcast within itself. I think um, specifically because that's a major issue is. that I remember experiencing as an attorney from clients sitting before me and trust was just in the crux of it, Right. And again, I'm going to go back to with everything. You start with prayer. You start with communication. And you cannot build trust without some form of communication in any shape, form, or fashion. Those of us who have a strong relationship with God, the reason is because he has proven himself time and time again. And we've learned to trust that relationship. Mm -hmm. We've learned to trust that even though we can't physically touch him, we can't physically see him. In the form that we anticipate, we think we're supposed to. And we, as some people think, only have the Bible or the Word of God. In spite of that, there has been proven to us time and time again that we can trust this being. We can trust the Spirit. We can trust because we are walking evidence of that. We have different other ways, rather, that are witnesses mm-hmm. of His Word is true. And because of that level of trust, because of that level of vulnerability, because of that safety, the the love is inevitable. That's why people say yeah. he loved me and I love him and it just works out because he loved me first type of thing. So I think that trust within itself can definitely be a podcast that will be like peeling back an onion because that's a major conversation, a major touch point for a lot of couples a lot of relationships and every relationship deals with it in some shape form and fashion so maybe we will jump into that um, within the next month or next few podcasts but hopes love hopes hope is a feeling of trust and i think you have to have the hope to get back to the trust (laughs) that part to Absolutely. come back to that point, sorry. Yes, it's a feeling of trust, yeah. optim- and I'm giving you guys the definition, definition right? So. so it's a feeling of trust, optimistic state of mind is what hope is about, having an optimistic state of mind. Yes, yeah, so we're going to make sure we get back into this. But yes, you have to have a hope that you can trust again, that you will be able to trust again, and that can be a difficult thing, especially depending on the level of hurt that has yeah. transpired from the 
broken trust. So love hopes. Love is in a position of having an optimistic state of mind. Because of everything else that takes place, you can do nothing else but be positive. Yes. Okay, this may be going on, but I'm still hopeful. I still have a positive outlook. Especially if you still want the relationship to hold firm. Mm -hmm. I believe that a certain level of hope has to take place. And I really believe that you have to reaffirm your relationship in Christ first because I believe that's where the trust of everything starts in my life when I think about it. I trust in this being, as you stated. And now, okay, Lord, I've trusted in this individual and they this happened. How do I get back to this hopeful situation? I believe that there are steps involved in the hope aspect of life to get back to the point of, okay, maybe I can give this person another opportunity. Maybe I can give my husband another opportunity. Maybe I can give my wife another opportunity. But Lord, I need you to help me to see them as you see them so I can stop judging them based upon the things that I was so broken about. And now I can find a little bit of hope because I don't hope at that. I don't think you can hope in the being that broke you initially. I Mm -hmm. think you have to hope in something higher. Then you get back and say, okay, now that I've recentered my focus on Christ, now if I see the result of things moving in a positive direction, now I can see hope in the relationship again. My thoughts on it. Interesting thoughts. Yeah, definitely. I think, um, again, it's just, it has my wheels turning, if you will, towards the podcast and a lot of other stuff, conversations as well. But definitely... um, it's interesting. I'm just trying to think. I, that was a lot in there, so I can't really jump back into it. But I, I agree that when you have hope, you definitely are going to need hope in God. And I think sometimes that's where we fall short is when we don't start off with that hope in Christ to maintain <laughs> and to preserve the marriage, i.e. the whole purpose of the three-strand cord, right? And so when we lose the hope there and we start just hoping in each other mm-hmm. and we start just hoping in what we have, then it's going to easily fall into the slots of disappointment, failed trust, lack of trust, things of that nature. So to come back up from there, I think that'll be part of that trust podcast that we sure. should have. But um, love hopes. Love is, is going to be in a position of being optimistic because everything else is working in that positive way, right? Everything is consistently building up and building upon trustworthiness, protection, all of those things. So what, what would you not hope for? What could you not hope in when you're thinking of all of these things are working well? If everything else around us is falling apart, Mm -hmm. I still have hope that, there's Things something positive, out. you know, that's going to come out of it. Right. Anything more on that no. part? So love perseveres. This is the last part of that First Corinthians 13 type of love. And I think it stops at 13 and 8 at the very first sentence. Love perseveres. I, I guess they call it 6. I'm sorry, 8A maybe. Actually, that is 7. Am I? 
saying seven? So okay, so I messed seven, up. It always protects, always trusts, it always I, I hopes, yeah. always preserves. I jumped. Yes, I, I didn't jump. Excuse me. I ignored the last one. Right. So love perseveres. To persist. Yes. Persevere means to persist or to continue mm -hmm. in a course of action, even in a state of difficulty, willing to do what's necessary because of the other things or in spite of the other things, right? Yeah, I, I think this is so interesting, but I'm just talking about me rewriting the scripture here. Oh, okay. But it's almost as though love perseveres should go up further. Then we can talk about protecting and trust and hoping. Because if you persevere first, you have a better opportunity of trusting more. You have a better opportunity of protecting because you know you're going to have some hurt. You know there are going to be some wrongs. You know there are going to be times that are difficult and if you're thinking about that if your wills are turning towards that first then i should be striving to protect i should be striving in my trust i should be striving in my hope that's just me but you don't persevere in in positive stuff perseverance comes in in testing i agree that's what i'm saying if we persevere first because your relationship will be tested but not everyone that starts off, think about it, when you're in the beginning stages, and a lot of times that beginning stage is infatuation, but when you're in the beginning stage of a marriage, mm -hmm. right, they call it the honeymoon phase. Right. Everything's blissful. Everything is great. Everything's going well. So you can't always logically see, like, what could pop, like, what's the worst could happen if the worst could happen is us consistently arguing about you leaving up the toilet seat or you don't like my cooking or something to that extent. If that's the worst that you're imagining, then sure, I'm a persevere pastor. That's nothing. Okay. But I think perseverance, true perseverance, comes in the things that are difficult, the things that are painful, the things that are a strain and stressful to your relationship, your character, the things that are testing whether or not you feel it's worth it. I think... So I got a plaque and trust and protect. You got to get that stuff straight first, first. which is already okay. building blocks. Because if you if you feel like you got to persevere at the beginning, that's why a lot of people feel like, oh, if it, if I got to do this much work, I ain't interested. Well, but when I you believe already, it is that much. Work. Everybody, yeah, but they're not saying it right anyway. But I think when you're not, our problem is we don't part of part of our problem is we don't want to persevere through things. I remember getting a plaque. And at the end of, actually, I think it was a graduation gift or maybe getting my license gift. I don't know. But it's a plaque that says perseverance. And I had it in my office. And it came from a younger cousin that was proud. And I thought about that. I remember having it and, and making sure I, I displayed it in a place where I could see it. Because law school was no joke. And if I didn't have the hope that I started off with, if I didn't have the love for my, for law, if I didn't have the love for the goal I wanted to achieve and the ambition, if I didn't have the positive hopes of achieving that, of coming out on the other side with the diploma, with the license, being the first person in my family to even attend law school and say that I have, you know, a doctorate degree and then being an attorney as opposed to being on the other side of law, any of that, if I had no hopes in that, then when it came time for three long years, months at a time with no tests, and then they test you one time over a month's worth of information, and you're supposed to either 
pass or fail pretty much. If I didn't have all of those things lined up before, perseverance, no. There's no way for me to persevere. And I'm saying like persevere through what? This is great. Like this is easy. Sure. Perseverance comes in through the struggle, through the stress, through the strain, through the, as I mentioned, the times when it seems like there is no hope. Yeah, there, the hope is gone. You're going to remember at some point you once had hope. You're going to remember at some point you had some type of faith or trust or um, a positive moment mm-hmm. and remember what it was all about, what it was all for. So when you're persevering, it it reminds you and helps you to push forward. It helps you to continue on. And if you haven't experienced that, then yes. And people who don't want to go through that because it's going to pull and it's going to pull something out of you mm-hmm. and it's going to pull at you and it's going to make you question yourself and everything else connected to that thing. So I, I mean, you know, the Bible is God inspired man reading God inspired so he knew what he was doing he put it in in this order and now um, the man who wrote it could have gotten it out of order we make mistakes right but it makes sense to me that it's here because if I don't have these things lined up then it's not going to be what am I soon as that trust is broken I that's the difficult point where I need to be persevering otherwise for what I'm gone like let me go somewhere else and find trust somewhere else where it hasn't been broken. So for perseverance to come through love, that shows the strength and the willingness of the action for me. And the the willingness of and the desi- the desire to want to continue to love that person and be in love with that person through the perseverance. Well, you've made a good point tonight. And I cannot uh, even come back with anything regarding if you're if you're putting it in that way, because my thought was different of we're going to persevere or we're going to face things in our marriage. And I think it can be looked at in a different way. However, if the trust is broken, if the protection is broken, you're right. If there's no perseverance after that point, it's all over. So maybe they should have put it in there twice. (laughs) And moving on to the actual last one, because that was seven. So I apologize for misspeaking there. First Corinthians 13, 8a, according to what I'm saying. They may not call it 8a, but it says love never fails. For me, I just got out of this particular verse. Love always hits its target. Mm, that's good. I like it. Always hits his target, whether you intended, um, no, whether you, because I've heard people initially say they regret showing love or telling this person they love them and all this, that, and the other. But even when you're trying not to show it, even when you don't want somebody to know it, the love is going to be felt. And that's the beauty of love is that it's going to be felt. It's going to be shared and it's supposed to be done that way. I, that's part of our purpose here on earth and God being love. He's going to ensure that we all experience love. So if there is, if all of these things are in order, 
we're on point. It's a yeah. bullseye every time. And in the midst of that, there will be difficulties, whether it's the toilet seat or a meal, whether it's in-laws or infidelity, there are going to be times where it's difficult, but the perseverance is going to also come at a different level, different right. levels, sure. different strengths on those as well. But when you're, I think in the flow of this, then definitely love is going to always hit its target. Agreed. Nothing more on that. Because at the end of the day, God's love never fell us. And I believe that's the reason that he came and lived this life is to show that he loved us in spite of what we have done. And since his love never fails for us, love always hits its target. It does. And sometimes it may not always work out in the way that we thought it would, right. but it still hits its target because there's something about this love aspect that causes us to be different beings throughout life. And it's important that we continue to open our heart towards love and continue to grow in love so we can show not only our spouse, but just people in general. I think our world could use more love. Absolutely. And just because you weren't treated the way you thought you should be treated doesn't mean that you stop loving. And I believe that's when bitterness and anger sets in and that's detrimental to you first off. So that's my thought. Yep. I have nothing else either yeah. other than to thank you guys once yes. again for thank this you. time and opportunity. Praying that you will take the opportunity to review the scriptures for yourself. Yes. Chat it out with your spouse and, and discuss how you can show this first Corinthians love in yes. your marriage if it's at first all possible. 13. And the truth of the matter is it is because if it wasn't he would not have included it in the Bible, which is the guide for our lives. I love it. And with God creating marriage and God being love, this is definitely what we should go by and measure ourselves by on a day-to-day -day basis mm -hmm. in our marriages and how we're measuring up to this standard in our marriage individually towards our spouses. Amen. There are going to be times in where we're wondering and we're feeling that we're not measuring up and that's when we call on God to help us in those areas and help ask him for the help to guide us in those areas where you know it may seem more difficult to put love into action I don't think love hurts is the the response sometimes that you receive from someone that you love or you know, loving someone else and how they react to it can hurt. But the love itself, the love itself, the way God created it and intended it, it's not a painful thing. And I think people say that too often too. Love hurts, love hurts. It actually doesn't hurt. It's the other that comes with the it. stuff. Yeah, the other stuff that comes with it. Yes. So that's all we have. Thanking you once again. And we are going to close out the way that we start everything. God, we thank you for love. We thank you for loving us and showing us the example of what we should be to one another. God, we thank you for marriages all around the world. God, we pray something that was said, something that will be heard during this particular podcast as couples listen will apply to their marriage that they will be able to stand there for. 
God, we appreciate you for Healthy and Whole Marriages conferences. God, we thank you for this platform. We appreciate you for the words that you've given us tonight. I ask that you will bless us as we leave this place, but never from your presence. It's in Jesus' name we pray. Thank God. Amen. Amen. Until next time. Be healthy. Be whole. Be blessed is our prayer. Have a great one.